Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. Several months ago, uh, a son-in-law of mine joined me in traveling uh, far into the mountains north and east of Lewiston, uh, following the St. Joe River east from St. Mary's. Uh, miles and miles up the river until we came to a point that we finally left the river at what's called Beaver Creek and then began to climb out of the St. Joe River drainage and up into the mountains until we finally uh, came up onto a high ridge top and and uh, the the drive was in in a sense just beginning as we had many miles to go. One of the things that struck me that day, and Keith and I talked about it, was that uh, there were very few people on the roads. I'm not sure we uh, met more than uh, maybe one vehicle from the time we left the St. Joe River until we were up on the ridgetop. And we drove for probably three hours uh, at least, Headed, uh, headed to our goal and uh, never saw another human being. Uh, we were by ourselves. It was, it was nice. Uh, we weren't uh, having to breathe anyone else's dust that might have been on the same road. And uh, we were just enjoying God's, God's creation all around us that day. Near the end of what had been a long day really we finally reached our goal it was an old four service fire lookout tower back near the montana and idaho state lines there at the edge of what is called the mallard larkin pioneer area hadn't been used for many years for the purpose for which it was built but anymore, it's used just simply by people like uh, Keith and I, and in fact, Dwayne Jones and I have stayed there in years past. But uh, you can rent it for a night or several and just get away from it all. Uh, you'll know you're away from it all when you're there because you won't see hardly anyone else while you're in a location like that. Uh, we had arrived early in the evening, but the sun was already sinking toward the horizon in the west. We carried our sleeping bags and bedding, our, our food, and all of the stuff that we took with us up the two flights of stairs into that little cubicle sat on top, uh, on the top of those four uh, posts that it rested on. And we were just glad that it wasn't more than two flights of stairs that we were going up and down. But uh, here we were in a room that is just windows all the way around. You could look in any direction and uh, just see nothing but rugged country as far as you could look. The deep canyons that, that were around us were all, had already been absent sunlight for quite some time as the sun continued toward the west. And uh, we could see that darkness was coming early down there in the depths of some of the deepest canyons that we were around. As the, the sun 
prepared to drop out of sight. It was getting close to the horizon. We realized that as we looked around that the mountaintops, the highest mountaintops were the only ones that still had light, still had sunlight shining directly on them, and we were one of those mountains. But re we realized that darkness was coming quickly, and uh, within just moments, as we watched, the sun finally dropped below the horizon, and uh, night really came pretty quickly that day. Uh, we began to make preparations for going to bed, and after the day we'd put in, uh, sleep didn't take long in coming. It came quickly, and uh, it was good to be getting some rest. During the night, I awakened at one point, and, and uh, the bunks that we were sleeping on were just inches below the windowsill, so it was easy, easy just to lift your head and look out in any direction. And uh, for the most part, looking up into the skies around us, any, anywhere you wanted to look and see the millions and millions and billions of stars. And it was just absolutely beautiful. I ended up getting up and making noise, and, and uh, my son-in-law, he woke up and we walked out and stood on the catwalk around the outside and just looked at uh, God's beauty surrounding us in the midst of that night. And in our conversation, one of us wondered again, how could anyone find themselves in a setting like this and look around and not believe in an almighty, all-powerful, divine God who had created what we were witness to that night? Uh, everything that I looked at just had the mark, the stamp of the Creator on it. And uh, it was just beautiful. We could see no artificial lights in any direction. At one point, a, a jet air, airliner probably went over, uh, probably 30 or 35,000 feet in the air, and that was the only artificial light we were seeing. There was nothing else, just God's light, God's creation. Later on, I went back, after going back to sleep, I awakened and realized that uh, things were beginning to change, and I lifted my head and looked to the east, and you could see that there was beginning to be just a little light coming from that direction. The stars were, were literally being chased from the sky in anticipation of the arrival of the fast-approaching uh, sunlight. It wouldn't be long before that bright ball of light came up over the eastern horizon and our lookout tower was going to be one of the first ones it would strike as well as some of the other high mountain peaks around us. Dawn was coming. It wasn't far off. And it did come. It came quickly. Advent is the season of the dawn. The light is coming. We can see glimpses of pink and orange along the horizon, as it were, but the sun isn't up yet. There are still long stretches of shadow and darkness in places. The noise of the day are barely audible as everything from animals to infants begin to rouse. 
Advent is the season of the dawn where we, in a sense, live in that space between the darkness of the world without Christ and the light of the world, a world, with Christ, where we see the light coming, and yet it hasn't fully come. While we observe this season of Christ's birth, the coming of light, we're also reminded that we're still Advent people, we live in the glow of the dawn. We no longer are people of darkness and we're people of light, even while Christ's return is still before us. Romans 13, which Pastor Paul read a few minutes ago, reminds us that the night is nearly over, but the day is almost here. We are called and reminded that we're Advent people, people of the dawn. We live in the reality of the kingdom of God, knowing that it's now, and yet it's still to come in its fulfillment. On this first Sunday of, of Advent, we have lighted the candle that we call the candle of hope. And it's a reminder of the hope that we have in Christ coming in a stable so long ago, but also a reminder of the hope we have that Christ is coming again. It's a reminder that we are people of light in a world that is still so often cloaked in darkness. And we are called to live, to love, to serve, to celebrate, to mourn, and to grieve all in the light of hope. The light has come, and the light is coming. So what is hope? Just what is hope? I heard one pastor say that, that uh, hope always rests on eternal values. It goes beyond our present circumstances. A few minutes later, he added this. He said that hope is the assured confidence that nothing will happen to me that is not within the will of God. He didn't say that, that God will make things happen. He didn't say that uh, God was going to make bad things happen to us. He simply said that God will not allow things to happen that aren't within his will. But again, what is hope? In one word, I think we could say that it's everything. If you feel you have no hope or very little of it this morning, I want to assure you that God wants to restore hope in your heart. He wants to restore hope in your mind and in your soul. Hope in him. Hope in your promises. Hope in his promises. And hope for the future because of him. God wants you to find the hope that he, he, he has for you in his holy word. I don't know your situation today, 
but God certainly does. You may be discouraged. You may be going through a time of dark depression. You may be wondering how, how are you ever going to take care of the financial obligations that are facing you? You may be dealing with relationships that have been ripped apart. Your future may look so bleak that you just simply have wondered more than once in recent days how you're ever going to make it. You wonder what the weeks and the months ahead might hold. And I would suggest yes, yes, life may be tough for you right now, but as we begin, begin this Advent season today, I'm I am just absolutely convinced that our Heavenly Father wants to envelop you in his love. He wants to envelop your entire being with a strong sense of hope, God-given hope. You can look to him today with assurance and with confidence, knowing that he will help you in your time of need, whatever that is, you can put your trust in him. You can put your trust in him for that hope. Understanding the present time is an important statement in, in Romans 13. In those verses that Pastor Paul read, uh, it's telling those who were part of that early church then that there is an understanding of the current world of suffering, death, and pain. And it goes on to remind them that when Jesus came, those things weren't eradicated, as many had hoped, but suffering and sin still remained in the world. And the early church was well acquainted with the pain and suffering of those present times that they were living in. This phrase, the present time, isn't that far off from words we could use in these days in which you and I are living. We often talk about difficult times or seasons in our lives. The COVID season has been particularly difficult over these last couple years. The reality of suffering, pain, and grief have been very evident to us. Our lives have been touched in many ways during this past two years by COVID. We can look at any news source and know quickly that suffering and sin still exist in this world. During the past two weeks, we have been bombarded with details relating to the tragedy that occurred at the University of Idaho campus when three young women and a young man were brutally murdered. A number of you have been personally impacted by all of this as your own children or students there, or you have attended there, or you live in Moscow or work there. The Apostle Paul is highlighting that this present time he refers to is different for the people of Christ. And aren't you thankful for that? While the church is well acquainted with sin and suffering of the world, 
They are, we are, at the very same time, aware of the power of the Holy Spirit and the resurrection of Christ in our lives. And that is the reason to have hope, real hope. The present age is a thin veil dividing a world of suffering and sin from the glory that is to come. The early church lived in the midst of this thin veil, within the dawn, as it were, of the coming reign of Christ. But that present time, this present time, is important for you and me as well. Although a couple thousand years and a multitude of cultural differences have taken place and divide us from those times, we are still a church well acquainted with sin and suffering of the world, while at the same time, just like they were, are aware of the power of the Holy Spirit and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in our own lives and in the community of faith that we're part of. We're still in the midst of this thin veil, which can be looked at as the dawn of the coming reign of Christ. Because of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, those who follow him, those who follow Christ, already live as though he has returned. The Apostle Paul uses the image of waking up, which is a term that is used throughout the New Testament, often to point to those following Christ or to the idea of the resurrection. Because if, if you're asleep, you're not following. It seems that Paul is using a familiar image to remind the church that they are awake in Christ. And this is something they already know. It is also a reminder of their baptism and their current participation in communion that points them to and reminds them of participation in the banquet that is yet to come. In Christ, God invaded the old age to bring about the new age. The people of Christ, therefore, are living in the new age while awaiting Christ's return. They, or we, live as people of light. It's probably also important to note that in the geographical location of this text that we read this morning, dawn was a busy time. The days were hot, and it got hot quickly. And so the dawn, the early part of the day, was filled with activity and busyness. In a sense, we could see that the implication is not to move slowly. There's a lot to be done. Darkness, especially in the context of this passage, was seen as a time when anything was permissible, and yet the church is called to be people of light. This is not a works versus faith argument, but a statement that those who live in the light, who follow Jesus, just simply live differently. Those who live in the light do not participate in the acts of night where everything is permissible. The Apostle Paul listed several acts that are associated with the darkness, wild parties and drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, immoral living, quarreling, and jealousy. These acts are things that typically go on in the darkness, and they're used to contrast how those who live in the light 
The people of God, Christ followers, Christians, are to live and act. Those who have invited Jesus into their hearts, who follow Christ, have been transformed. They're not focused on satisfying urges, but are focused on love, grace, truth, hope, the things of Christ. Essentially, the people of Christ live as though the light already rules the world. They live as though Christ has returned and made things right. They are a glimpse of the kingdom to come already in this present world. But it's not only a call to the early church of Rome, but for us as well, because we are people of the dawn. We're people of Advent. We live in hope, even while we still see the shadows of darkness around us and about us. We live as people of light. Yes, Advent is the season of the dawn. Christ came, and our lives are radically transformed because of that. We're no longer people of darkness. We no longer behave as people of the night. We're people of the day. We cast off the ways of the world to live as people of light. The kingdom of God hasn't fully come yet. All things aren't made right yet. And to deny the reality of suffering and sin in our world would be a heartbreaking mistake. But for those who live the reality of suffering, we're able to be a glimpse of the world to come. And even now, in the rubble of decay, in the heartbreak of sin, we are to be a glimpse of the light. We are a community of hope. We are a church of hope, of grace, of goodness, of righteousness, and of love. That morning in that old fire lookout tower, as I awaited the, the rise of the sun, I took a few moments to do one of the really important things every moment. If you're in a location like that, you put, a, put the coffee pot on. And before long, Keith and I each had a hot cup of coffee as we continued to look toward the east, and it got brighter and lighter. It was pretty cool yet, but as we sat in the coolness of those moments enjoying our coffee, we were a witness to a transformation taking place as the world grew bright all around us. And suddenly, the sun began to inch above the horizon, and we were looking at the bright rays of the sun striking the highest of the mountains around us and the own, our own where we were at that morning. It seemed like it only took moments before we were bathed in complete light, and it just made you begin to feel warmer than it probably really was. We watched as other mountains began receiving that same light. And as we stared around at the rugged landscape surrounding us, we could still see that it was dark in the deep canyons about us because sunlight hadn't reached their depths yet. We began to realize also that the silence of the night was being replaced by sound all around us. Birds began to chirp and twitter, singing their unique songs. The world around us was just 
coming alive with their music. I noticed that there was the slightest whisper of a breeze and some of the tree branches were beginning to make a soft rustling sound. And uh, it just seemed like that was good accompaniment for the sound of the birds. Uh, as we watched, the day was being changed all around us because of light and the dawn and what was taking place that we were a witness to. The same way the hope of God can come to us. It doesn't always have to be at just a significant point in time or in a significant place. We simply need to be reminded that he is reaching out to us in love, asking us to receive him into our hearts and allow him to walk with us and our lives can be forever changed, filled with hope in spite of the darkness that is around the fringes of our lives. In closing, let me offer you some final words of hope and assurance this morning. The God whom I've been speaking about today is the same God who rolled back the Red Sea so that the uh, nation of Israel could cross over and escape on dry ground and escape on dry ground the pursuing Egyptian army. The same God I'm speaking of in these moments right now is the very same one who quieted the lions and sealed their mouths in the den where Daniel had been thrown to die. The same God I've been talking about is the God who spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. He's the same God who gave his one and only son to die on the cross for you and for me. And he's the very same God who rolled the stone away from the tomb on that very first Easter morning. This God of whom I'm speaking is the very same God who loves you so very much this morning that he promised never ever to leave you or forsake you. Why? Because he loves you so much. He extends the reality of hope to you, a very sure hope, if you'll trust him. Have you ever considered that the God who loved Moses and King David and the Apostle Paul and the disciples, the God who loved them loves you just as much? He cares for you that much. You're loved by him. I've had much cause to consider the ways of God in recent weeks, and I would be the first to state that sometimes I don't know why God does things in the manner that I have observed or why he allows some things to happen. I just simply don't understand in my finite human mind why God's plan for those he loves do not always match up with what I might expect of him. But I do have reason to believe. In fact, I am confident this morning that he's faithful to those he loves. He's always and ever faithful, no matter what may be going on in our lives, in your life, no matter the circumstances that may be impacting your life right now, today. We are, we are loved by a God of hope. We're loved by a God who is faithful. You can trust him. 
He brings you hope on this first Sunday of Advent. We've lighted that candle of hope today with a confidence that he came once and he's coming again. Let's live as people of the dawn as we go out into this week ahead of us. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to pray in a few moments, and the worship team is going to come as I pray. And, and so at the end of the prayer, just remain standing as we join them in, in singing. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much this morning that you love us more than we can ever imagine. You want us to be a people of light. You want us to be a people of hope. And Lord, we yearn for that. We yearn for the hope that you can give us this morning. And I pray that, that as we go out into this week, we'll do so with a new sense of God's love just surrounding us and filling our entire being. And Father, I know that you work in unique ways that we don't always understand, but I wonder, I wonder, Lord, this morning if you might want to use some of us to bring a ray of hope, a glimmer of hope, into the life of another. Father, if you do that, if you desire to use one or more of us today, or in the week ahead, to help bring hope into the life of someone who needs it so very badly, would you just put that person's face in our minds and hearts right now? Show us who it is. And then, Lord, show us what to say and how to speak and the spirit in which to share the hope of Christ with them. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for going with us into this week and this Advent season ahead. In your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.